Welcome to Not Your Mom's Church. We're grateful that you've showed up today, and we are a church that's outside of the box. But we're willing to put our head in the box. This is the first time I put my head in the box at the Boys and Girls Club. And it goes with a story of a man that started a revival. Back in 1906, right after the earthquake, God told him, if you put your head in the box, I will do great healings and transform the community. And it reached all throughout the world. What if God told you today that I would metamorphically change you if you were willing to be obedient and put your head in this box? Would you do it? In front of all your family and friends, and some people are like, what is this guy doing? God wants to metamorphically change us. I have another picture a couple of weeks ago when I did this, when we were activating obedience, praying for this particular moment. And as I had my head in the box, as God told me yesterday through a couple, a friend of mine, I pray that God would meet, bring a metamorphic change in you. A believer turned into an awesome disciple of Jesus. Someone that's apart from God will turn into a believer for Jesus. And some of you seasoned veterans... We'll have a revelation from God today. Because he is risen. Our church is a church that preaches the resurrection every Sunday. It's not about Easter Sunday. It's not about next Sunday. It's about every Sunday. We have the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. If you're tuning in right now online, experience the resurrection power of Christ because he wants to boldly change us. Boldly change us. But are you willing to be whole and transformed? Are you willing to be embarrassed? Change is hard. Change is hard. We are going through a season of change. But God wants to bring us to a place of crucified self. We have been going through a series called Crucified. If you haven't been here for the last few weeks, we have been crucifying all kinds of things. Week one, we crucified our theology and what we think God is. And we need to let that theology go. And we need to go to the word of God and let that theology become part of our life. So we crucified theology. The next week we talked about a cow. And we talked about pushing the cow off the cliff and letting go of our control. So we're crucifying our control. And then Jeremy came up here. Do you guys know it's Jeremy's birthday? Yeah. Actually, no, it's April Fool's. Never mind. No, actually it really is his birthday. And it is April Fool's. So Jeremy came up here and talked about crucifying death. We have this fear of death. But here's the thing. As Christians, we celebrate it. And then last week, we right before uh, our, our Passion Week, we talked about crucifying our sin and believing that Christ's finished work on the cross is good enough for me and it's good enough for you. We're trying to get outside the box, but sometimes we need to put our head in the box. And pray, God, bring your, cru uh, bring your life inside of us. And today we're going to talk about crucifying self. We are on a mission from God. I know that sounds like the Blues Brothers, but it's true. 
We are on a mission from God to build the kingdom of God in this pleasant valley. From Westlake to Santa Barbara, from Point Magoo Rock as far east as probably Santa Paula. We can't go to Fillmore. <laughs> welcome if you're from Fillmore, by the way. We're thankful. Or if you're online, welcome. Thanks for checking us out. But we are on a, a mission from God to love the world right where you're at. You know, we are in a community center because we want to build the kingdom of God. And we're pushing people to other churches because that's where God wants us to do. We're not about building a little church so that we can have our own little posse. We're about building the kingdom of God for his glory. Do you guys know that today we celebrate the resurrection because Christ is no longer in the grave? He is risen. Yes. Amen. So if you haven't been to church in a while, or if it was last Easter, I'm going to make sure you get the same story, but I'm going to change it so that at the end we'll talk about this metamorphic change. It's kind of a two-part sermon today, but here's what's happened if you've missed a couple episodes, all right? Here's how God interacted with the world. At one point, God spoke, and, he, and things started to create. God created, and in that speaking, he started to form stars and universes and all kinds of things. He created our world, and he created us to be who we are. And in that, as he created man, he breathed. And then he said it was good. That's where it all began. And then if we fast forward a couple of months or a couple of years, as we were in the garden, man and woman were in the garden, what happened was they were told, this is all yours, just don't do this. And it talks about being obedient. But because of disobedience, because of partaking in the things that we're not to partake, man was, man was cursed with sin and the ground was cursed and we have now had a sin nature that we've been struggling with from that moment. But there's more to come. Trans, transfer up of several hundred years and then Moses received this divine law, this revelation from God. And there's Levitical laws, but there's the Ten Commandments. These laws come in to the world and these laws are measuring sticks so that we can say, this is who, how I'm supposed to live in this perfect law. But in our sin nature, we struggle to strive even to do the Ten Commandments. If you're really honest with yourself, we could do five or six pretty easily. I'm struggling with the murder one today, but other than that, I'm doing okay. So here's how God works with his people. His people were led in bondage. And then he led them to the promised land and freed them. And they lived in the land of milk and honey. And in that, they received all the promises of God. And there was a period of peace and freedom in the land. But as people do, their disobedience then leads them astray from God. And all of a sudden, you're in a different place. And you're like, how did I get here? I used to worship Yahweh. And now I'm worshiping some girl and some pole and some things that are apart from God. And so God, as he does, he experiences this rebuke or what we call today tough love. It's a hard love. I've had it in my life. And in that tough love, people were exiled, and there was a remnant, but everybody was taken out of the country. But God is good. And that remnant brought back the favor of God, and in that, there was great restoration. 
And from that restoration moment, then the, the world went dark. The Bible says there was 400 years of silence from God. And so what does man do? And when I say man, think of woman as well. Women don't nudge the guy going, look it. Look how disobedient you've jacked up God. <laughs> there, was a, there was a silence. And it was preparing us for things to come. Because one day, born of a virgin, this man named Jesus came into the world. And he is our redeemer. After a period of silence, God said, not, let, not, let me not speak to you again. Let me give you myself. 100% man, 100% God, and let me walk into this world and change everything you know about me. This man never sinned. He came to live God's will. And at just the right time, he died. Romans 5, 6 says, you see, at just the right time, when we were powerless, when we have no control, when we are on our own trying to do things on our own, we were powerless. The Bible says that he died for us. At just the right time, he died for the ungodly. That means all of us. Because all of us have fallen short and are apart from God. Romans 4.25 says, he was handed over to die for our sins. And what happened on Friday night and Wednesday night as we did the resurrection, uh, as we did the crucifixion, he died so that we can be right with God, that we can be free of condemnation of sin, but we also could live in the power and victory of sin. He was raised to make us right with God. This metamorphic change coming through one man. One man's sin brought us a curse or brought us this sin nature. And one man's righteousness connects us to the glory of God. Today I want to read from Matthew 28 as a church to, so that we can experience the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then I want to move into the application of today's message. At our church what we do is we, we stand up for the glory of God and then we're going to pray in our teams and I'll explain the teams in just a second. Here's my favorite place in the Bible about the resurrection. It's Matthew 28. When I first became saved, I happened to be in a dark, dreary place. And in that, God gave me the book, uh, uh, the New Testament, and I read Matthew over and over because I didn't understand it. Come to find out when I read uh, uh, Mark and Luke, I'm like, they keep repeating themselves. What are they doing? <laughs> I've grown over that time. Not much, but I've grown a little bit. Matthew 28. Early Sunday morning, like right now. As a new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. For the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and rolled aside his own and sat on it. His face shone like lightning. His clothing was white as snow. The guards shook with fear when they saw him. And they fell into a dead faint. And then the angel spoke to the women. He said, don't be afraid. He said, I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified, but he isn't here. He has risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come and see where his body's laying, and now go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead. He is risen. He's risen indeed. Here's what we're doing. For almost a year and a half now, we've turned this church every Sunday into a corporate prayer place. We are praying in teams. So if you're new, wherever you're sitting, you're on a team. This is Team Salvation. This, play, this group has been praying all year, last year and the beginning of this year, that people will be saved not just here, but all throughout our, our county and country. This is Team Revelation. 
Real excited. Glad you guys are here. They're praying that God would speak. When God speaks, he changes. When you've been touched by God and you've, you've experienced him, you're changed. And, and, and that's what they're praying for, that God would speak today. And this is where I sit. This is where I come and celebrate. This is Dream Transformation. And this is where the change occurs. There's where the metamorphic rise comes from. Because they're praying that someone came in here today, Christian or non-Christian, and they're going to be changed by the power of God through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. So let's pray. Father, we love you. Father, we love you. And I know someone in here, there's one person that needs that metamorphic change today. There's someone in here who needs to crucify their self and put Christ first. And I pray today that there will be such a radical transformation that this church and your heaven and every church will celebrate for that one soul, that one revelation, and that great transformation for your kingdom, Father. Lord, not my will, not our will be done, but your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we claim Jesus Christ over all of this world. He is our Lord and Savior, and all God's people said... Amen. Go ahead and be seated. I want to make a subtle transition into the application, but do you guys realize this? Do you guys realize that we know the character and characteristics of Satan more than we know the characteristics of God? You know, these are the pictures of Israel. In November, we're going to, to Israel. This is actually the garden tomb. And inside the garden tomb, when you're sitting in and worshiping, you truly feel the power of God. And there's another picture when I was sitting in there and I had my, my worship music on and a group of us were working. I looked up and see the glory of God in this sign that says he is risen. But here's the problem with Christians. We know the power of Satan more than we know the power of God. We are so afraid of what Satan can do. We live in it. It's like, oh, Satan's attacking me today. No, you're just messing up your own life. Don't blame Satan for your bad behavior or your disobedience. Yeah, it happens a lot, but it doesn't happen all the time. But here's the problem with Christianity is we think about Satan more than we think about the power of Christ. That's within me and can change me and can build me up from something that was dust and ashes and destroyed from this world into something completely different. It's sad, but it's true. To the skeptic, it's kind of ridiculous. A skeptic is someone that doesn't really believe in God or we got Christian skeptics. Don't look. They might be right next to you. But we have skeptics. They struggle with the belief in God. And to the skeptic, their reasoning kind of makes sense. Here's what they would say. The resurrection concept of Jesus raising from the dead seems kind of ridiculous. I've been to the hospital. I've been to several funerals. Not very many of them raise up. 
So that seems ridiculous. I can understand that. How about the invisible God thing? My friend calls him the sky daddy. Obviously, he doesn't believe. But this invisible God that's lording over everybody, and he's sitting there pulling all the strings, seems preposterous. And both of those to the skeptic, you would say, yeah, that makes sense. I can understand the resurrection of one man, and now he's the savior of the world. That's, that's a little off. For, for Christians, it's right on. But at this invisible God working and moving and having this Holy Spirit, what's the difference between the Holy Spirit and an evil spirit? That also seems a little bit preposterous if you don't know. But here's the one both Christians and non-Christians really struggle with. This whole idea that he's got the whole world in his controlling hands. And if he's really in control, why is this world all screwed up? Christians and non-Christians alike point to that. If he is in control, I was at a wedding yesterday. I happened to do a wedding. They're here today. They're married. Cora and Vesta, congratulations. And I was at a wedding. There was this guy. He says, I'm a skeptic. I don't believe it. I'm like, perfect. Let me tell you my Easter sermon tomorrow. And he said this was his biggest issue. That if God's got the whole world in his hands... And he's pulling all the strings. Why are we so jacked up? I don't want that kind of God. And here's the way I, in, I, I told him. I said, God is the CEO of the world. He is in charge. You're in control. He's in charge. If you've ever owned a company or you've been a supervisor or if you've ever leaded people, you're like, this is what I want you to do. And you turn your back and they're not doing anything that you told them to do. And even the best employee you had is like, I did a good job. I did 80% of what you wanted me to do this week. And that's like, that's the best you got. And you're like, thank you for doing 80%. Everybody else is at 20%. So you're a star. God is in charge. You are in control. That's how the skeptic gets over that. And in the idea of skepticism, then you got to believe and then trust that God will work all those things out. It's done it in my life. I've had a lot of crazy thoughts. A lot of them were drug-induced, but I've had a lot of crazy thoughts. But here's the thing. Many of us need to come to a decision. Believer need to come to a decision about who God is. And if you're a non-believer, take a gamble or take what we call a leap of faith and trust the couple of things. That first, God is real, Jesus saves, and the Holy Spirit can transform us. And if you put your faith in that today and just do it for 24 hours at a time, you watch God work and do amazing things. You know, I only know that because that's what I did. And I actually gave him a year. God, if you can do something with a knucklehead like me in a year, I'll never turn back. But if not, I'm going back to my miserable life. Thank you for not letting me go back there. Today I want to talk to you about a skeptic. His name is the Apostle Paul. He was an anti-Christ follower. He was against Christ. He was anti-anything Christ was doing. He was the greatest skeptic. He would come into a church and want to murder you if you said you believed in Jesus. 
And in this skeptic of a man, thinking he knew who God really was, God crucified his theology. On his journey, on his road to Damascus, he was he, he had a revelation, he got salvation, and he was radically transformed for the glory of God. This skeptic, this guy that was against God, as on the road, he, he gets this bright light of revelation, and he never met Jesus. Just like any, anybody meet Jesus personally? No, he hasn't come back yet. The apostle Paul has this revelation. He falls to his knees and this blinding light puts these scales on his eyes. But in that, he had this revelation from God and it brought him to salvation because God, he goes, who are you? And he says, I'm Jesus. And from that, Three days later, a man came, prayed, and he was radically transformed. And in the instant, he goes to a synagogue. And the Christians are afraid of him because he's ruthless. But now he's been transformed and changed. He's died to himself, and he understands that. And today, our application, the verse that we've been praying for for the last five weeks comes like this. Galatians, he's writing to a church, and he's reflecting on this change that's happened in his life. He's like, I used to be the biggest skeptic idiot on earth, but now I'm changed, and here's what it says. My old self has been crucified. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. What I used to believe, that's dead. How I used to relate to God, that's dead. Christ touched me in a way that I've been forever changed, and it wasn't in the physical. He didn't sit like Peter and John and have dinner and, and see the crucifixion and do all of that. He had a revelation. And then he had the, the willingness to be transformed and transform hundreds and thousands and millions of people's lives. That same spirit that touched him is here right now, blowing on through our lives. Your job is to repeat after me. Everybody take a deep breath. And breathe in that spirit. That same spirit is here. It's no longer I who lives. I breathe in that spirit. And in that spirit, it's you that lives through me. It says this, so Christ lives in me, so I live in this earthly body by trusting God, by trusting the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's what I'm getting to today. Today, if you're here and you need a change in your life, and I'm not talking about the worst things possible, you're, you're indicted and you're going to prison, yeah, you need Jesus. I'm just talking about the way you're living is not working for you anymore. And you've got to come to the end of yourself. And you've got to say, am I going to live this miserable life? And I'm not saying that your life's miserable, but it could be. Am I going to just hold God in this little box? Or am I going to just turn it over and put the box on and let everything fall and watch God transform me? You've got to make that decision. You're in control. But what you need to do is accept Jesus and let him take over the wheel. And I promise you... It'll change you like you've never been changed before. Even if you've been a believer and, and, and you've been around for 20 or 30 years and you still don't experience the power of God, let go. Die to self and watch him work powerfully in your life. 
A friend writes this. He says this. He says, there is a difference between realizing that on the cross he was crucified for me. John G. Mantle, he said, on the cross he was crucified with me and on that cross I was crucified with him. Here's the difference between the two. One brings the aspects of deliverance from sin's condemnation. The first one, when Christ dies, I am no longer condemned and struggling with condemnation. That's what Christ did on the cross, is he sets us free from that. The other one is more beautiful because it says the other is the victory over the power of sin. I don't know about you, but I hate to lose. We don't even play board games in my house anymore. My poor wife is like, you're done. The game of life, it gets, it's, I'm really bad. I'm a doctor. How about that? <laughs> and then my wife prays, and then all my kids hate me for two weeks. It's bad. <laughs> we sold our games to, on our, our last uh, garage sale because we just can't do it because someone's too competitive. <laughs> I don't like to lose. And I lost a lot in my life. I constantly lost. But once I made Jesus part of my life, once I made him a part of my life, the victory started happening over and over and over. Another victory, another victory, Jeff. Because I have died to self, and it's no longer I, but it's Christ who lives in me. So I want to bring a little visual aid besides the box the box is just so that someone will be saved and radically transformed somebody in here is going to be radically transformed because i prayed for that my tears are in here i anointed it with oil someone's going to be changed today i'm not talking about second service i'm talking about right here right now someone's going to come up front fall on their knees they're going to experience the love of god maybe for the first time and it's going to be awesome but here's the image i want to get to my friend Great woman of God. I've seen her grow and did this metamorphic change in a short amount of time. You know what God can do in three or four years? It's amazing. I did a wedding. I told you, my friend, he came to church about a year ago. And a year later, he's found this beautiful wife. And he's now living the glory of God in just a year. That's a miracle. My friend... She, gave, she wrote this post, and it really talks about crucifying self. And I really love this, and it's about this butterfly. And as I read this little post that she wrote a couple years ago, I want you to figure out where you're at on the lifeline here. Where you're at as I read this. And at the end, hopefully someone's going to make their wings come to reality and become this butterfly that God wants us. So here's the process. We are to crucify our selfish, prideful, greedy ways. But deeper than that, we are meant to crucify the person we think the world wants us to be. In her post, she says, we've got to crucify what the world says I am. The world says things that that aren't true about me. But here we see it's different. We We are to die to self and become more like Jesus. We do this by allowing the Holy Spirit to work inside of us so that we can experience the resurrection power of Christ every day of our life. Growing or being a Christian isn't necessarily about trying to control bad habits and our sin behavior. That's not what it really is. It's about becoming a whole new person where those habits and sins have no power in our life. 
It's becoming the people God created us to be, not the people that the world wants us to be. The world is against you, and it wants you to conform into its ways. Changing for yourself isn't fitting your old self into a set of rules and regulations and a right living. If I just change myself and I start right living, I'll be better. It just doesn't work that way. We were born caterpillars with the world telling us that we were only meant to be in the dirt, inching around life. We were born caterpillars living on the ground, and all we can do is one step at a time towards the 401k in retirement and living this miserable American dream. God's dream is bigger than that. And I love the United States. I'm not disparaging this at all. But just inching Towards an old dream, God has bigger dreams for you. Here's the last part of the post. But we were made and created beautiful, unique, destined to soar butterflies, living in the power of God and the grace of God, and that's within us. It's this process. Now, here's how the process really works apart from God, we're just this worm on the side, inching around expecting to live and that worm can experience great things companies houses kids college all of that but it doesn't ever mean that they're destined the way that they are to be it just means they're living as the world has conformed them the bible tells us do not conform to this world so here's how we get into the cocoon or, uh, or the chrysalis. Here's how we get in there. It's the first thing we do to change is we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And then all of a sudden we start getting in this cocooning process so that we can be changed. We accept Jesus. Now, how do we get out of it? How do we get into step two, three, and four? It's by following Jesus. It's coming alongside other Christians and saying, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I'm going to church because, brother, you're going. And tell me about this resurrection thing because it seems ludicrous. But I'm going to follow you, Jesus. I'm going to give you as much time as I can and trust that you have a plan. So how do we get to the place of wings? How do we get to the very end? Here's what I've learned in my life so that I can fly and do and be destined to soar the way that God wants to. Is I've got to disciple people. I've got to challenge people to make a step of faith, a challenge of faith. And I've got to share with them about who Jesus is. Because in that, there's a rub that really changes me. My friend that I was talking to yesterday, he walked away. And he's like, that was some pretty good wedding. I thought you were a rookie. <laughs> but he didn't accept Jesus. And I told him about Jesus. But guess who got blessed by that? This guy. There by the grace of God go I, wandering and inching away. But today I've got wings. And I can soar above all things because I have Christ living within me. So here's three action points for you today. I put them in your notes. What do I do? You want to change? You want to change from where you're at? Broke down body, broken mind, broken heart, broken bank. Broken home. You want to change? 
The first thing you need to do is live through Christ. Galatians says, my old self uh, has been crucified with Christ. It's not me. It's Christ who lives in me. I need to live through Christ. I need to put him first. I died, so he, he died, so I must die. And here's what I do. That's all I can do is tell you my experience. Here's what I do. For almost 15 years now, every morning I get up. And originally I got on my knees. I get out of bed and I'm like, I'm going to get on my knees. As you get older, you can't do that. So So now I just lay in bed. And before I grab my phone, what did I say? Before I grab my phone, I just lay, Lord, take my will. Lord, take my life and show me how to live for your kingdom. I die to self, and I live for you. Not my will, Lord, but your will be done. And I've been doing that, and it's transformed over time into something a little bit more than that. But that's how you start to live for Christ. Not me, Lord, but you. Beating down the selfish man and letting the broken, broken selfish man be lifted up through Jesus Christ. So he's living a selfless life and living in Jesus Christ. When we are lifting up Christ like the donkey on Easter, we're doing the real work of God. Sometimes it's hard. When we're not in service, we're just a donkey or a caterpillar inching along. We need to be in service for the Lord. I need to live through Christ. I need to make him my life. The second thing is I need to live by faith. Faith is a weird thing. It's unseen. I don't necessarily like the unseen. I used to have this motto back in the day. I'll see it when I believe it. Because there was a lot of talk and never any action. That's not faith. Easter and Jesus and the resurrection is not about wisdom and intellect and evidence and outright proof. If you're here today to have outright proof, come Lord Jesus right now and resurrect us all right in front of these people. Okay. Um. It's about trusting. When you have faith, the output of faith is trust. And you wake up every day and you say, I have faith in you, Lord, and I'm going to trust. And I'm going to trust. It's 9 o'clock, Lord, and I'm struggling, but I'm still going to trust. By 12 o'clock, you're in the bathroom crying out to the Lord, I still trust you. But it's Monday and it sucks. I don't know if you can say that at church, but I keep slipping out every week, it seems like. And here's my challenge. If, if, I'm not asking you to be faithful for the rest of your life. Honestly, I'm not. I'm asking you to be faithful and trust for the next 24 hours. I'm just asking you. Be faithful for the next 24 hours. And if it worked, do it again. I got up here because I did that. I strang a bunch of one days at a time. got to live by faith. So I live in this earthly body by trusting the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Do you know that God loves you? He loves you and he gave himself for you and he wants this metamorphic change so that you can break free of that cocoon and start to have wings to fly into your destiny for the glory of God. The resurrection power of Christ through the Holy Spirit is here and he's challenging many of us to experience that. 
Don't leave this place without experiencing the power of God. Here's the last part. It's I live by grace. I live in grace and I live by grace. Ephesians says this. The Apostle Paul writes this. He says, for it's by grace you are saved. It's through, through faith and it's not from yourselves. You can't save yourself. If you could fix yourself, you would have already done it. It's a gift from God. It's not by work so that none of you can boast. If you can save yourself, you'd walk around and go, look what I've done. And you've got a couple people in your neighborhood or in your family. Or maybe here today. Look at what I've done. Look at who I am. And God says, I don't want that. Because you'll miss the mark. You've got to live in grace. There's a song that's about 11 or 12 years old. And I love the analogy of grace. Grace is really hard to explain. But it says in this song how he loves you. It says, if grace is an ocean. So go out and put yourself on the Point Magoo Rock out there. As, and I go there a lot to kind of reflect and pray. Put yourself out there and look at the expanse of the ocean. And say, if grace is an ocean, if that's what grace is, and I go out into the ocean, it says we'd all be sinking. And I'm covered by God, and I'm in this cocoon, and he's saying, I've got you, and I'm going to change you, and I'm going to build you. So live in that grace, believing that he's got you covered. And then say, Lord, Holy Spirit, Jesus, come and be a part of my life and give me wings to fly. Everybody get your wings out. Hit the person next to you. I don't care. Today we want to fly with you, Lord. We don't want to live anymore inching around. We want to experience the, the, the grace of God. Colossians or Corinthians chapter 5, 17 says, Therefore, if there's anyone in Christ, they are a new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. We've got wings. And if you haven't got your wings yet, we're going to invite you to pray. But here's the thing. I want to close with this. The band's ready to worship. You guys ready to worship today? I just want to say this. I've got two issues today that I need to deal with. At some point, I'm a pastor, and I'm going to go to heaven, and the Father's going to send his son, and he's going to hold me. And he's going to say... Hopefully, Lord, we're tracking together. Well done. Well done, my good and faithful son. But Jeff, why did so many people from church not make it to heaven? My biggest concern is that someone in this room is not going to be in heaven. And we're going to all be there. And someone that we dearly love that is here today is not going to make it. And I'm going to feel responsible. That's you today. Help us out. My biggest concern is that you won't be there with us. Family members and friends. The second issue I have, and this is even worse. That you're a Christian and you never live with your wings for God. You have wings, but they're never really formed because all you're doing is walking on the ground and going, oh, look at that butterfly. It's walking like a caterpillar, but you're never experiencing the love of God and the power of Christ and the Holy Spirit to move you and transform you. You've got to put yourself out of the box and you've got to put your head in and say, Lord, I am going to be transformed. I'm going to have wings. I'm going to crucify myself so that you can live in me, Lord.
Are you going to hold on? Or are you going to be crucified to self? God wants to make you that butterfly destined to do amazing things. Can you just bow your heads? April 1st, 2018. Let this be a marker in our lives today, Father. Lord, April 1st, 2018. Let this be a marker in our life that we are going to be forever changed. Believers are going to receive wings and they're going to start soaring through the Holy Spirit, Father. People that are struggling that need to get out of their cocoon, someone's going to come, aside, come alongside and help them break free. But there's someone in this room today that doesn't know you or has walked away from you and needs you, Lord. And I pray, as I've been crying and praying all morning, that someone, just one, Lord, just one, will be saved and transformed. If that's you today, will you just repeat after me? Father, forgive me. Come into my heart. Come into my soul. Be my Lord and Savior. You died for me and you resurrected for my eternal life. And I thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, come over me. And break me free of this cocoon. So that I can live with you. And I can have wings like a butterfly and live in my destiny. We love you, Lord, and praise you for who you are. We name Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Amen.